Hello, beautiful souls. Welcome back to the Awakening Her podcast, your favorite podcast. I am chatting today with Sierra Grana, and we're chatting all about healing your inner child. This is really cool because inner child work has been coming into my life more and more in the last few years, and it's really neat to hear her talk about how the things that we experience as a child really impact us in our life today. So she shares how we can pinpoint what needs to be healed from our childhood, how to do that healing, how to process those emotions, and what happens when we heal our inner child. Also, she talks about manifestation, about your soul path and your soul plan, and how to align with the plan that you came here for, how to align with your soul's plan. So it's really cool. We have a really great conversation, really neat back and forth, and I know you're going to get a lot out of this interview. So without further ado, let's welcome Sierra onto the show. Hey Seeker, welcome to the Awakening Her podcast. I am so grateful that you've been led here and I'm excited for you that you're answering the call to manifest more magic in your life by mastering the law of attraction. So cool. My name is Talia and I'm committed to cutting the fluff and showing you exactly how to manifest more excitement, ease, success, abundance, confidence, love, and anything else you've been craving. So if you're ready to crack the code on manifestation, amplify your intuition, and play in the quantum. We are now besties. Let's do this. Hello, Sierra. Welcome to the Awakening Her podcast. I'm so excited that you're here today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited too. Yeah, it's going to be really fun. I'm so excited to just see what we're going to get up to. We've just been speaking for a couple minutes before we went live here and it's it's so interesting already. I know my audience is going to love you. So can you start out by just sharing a little bit about yourself and what you do and what we're going to talk about today? Yeah. So I'm a soul gratifying coach and medium. Uh, I do talk to dead people. Um, I talk to living people mostly though. So I connect with spirit. I channel a lot um, within my coaching practice. I do coaching, transformational life coaching. I do also offer business coaching. It's kind of all one in the same because you operate your life and business exactly the same when you're an entrepreneur. That's kind of what started me in that realm was I I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I had to fix my life. And that's where my spiritual awakening kicked in. And we'll be talking about, um, or what I'd like to talk about is the inner child and the journey that I've taken for the past two and a half years to get me to where I am today. Ah, that's so good. So can you tell me about your awakening a little bit? Like for all of us, it's different. It's messy. It's up, it's down. I'd love to hear a little (laughs) bit about what kind of sent you there and how that's gone. Yeah. um, I mean, if we want to go really way back, I was probably about three years old when I really started to, to notice that I could connect to spirit. Um, when you can connect to spirit, it's something you're born with. And we all have intuition. We all have gifts. Um, and somewhere along the line, they kind of get disconnected, I should say. They never shut off, but they start to dim down. Mine never really dimmed down. <laughs> I've always had it. I just 
thought it was normal. And I was like, everyone in my family can do this. It's not just me. And it was a, it was almost kind of normalized, but there was still a, a fear around it. Um, you know, good versus evil spirits and all this other stuff that you, cause I'm Catholic. So this was not something that was accepted in the church still isn't to this day, but it is what it is. Um, about, I'd say about three years ago, I was working 80 hours a week, uh, a full-time mom during the day and then working nights, weekends, crazy hours, stressed to the max. I barely saw my husband. Um, and I just kept pushing. I just lost my grandmother who was like one of my closest people ever. And I was not happy. I was drinking a lot, like a lot, a lot. (laughs) Um, and a few months after that, I decided to um, give my notice at work and just go back to, I was working like four jobs. So I was like, I'll just, I'll, at the time I was working the one job and an additional job. So I cut down to part-time. Um, the day that I gave my notice, my back gave out on me. I could not walk for four days, uh, which meant I could not go back to my waitressing job because I can't walk. I can't work. And all these fears crept in and all this panic uh, just kind of took over my body. And I'm, I remember laying in bed and saying, I had this idea of a business for a long time, probably about five years now. Um, so it was about two years at that time. And I said, God, I call him God, but whatever everybody else believes in. I was like, God, I will start that business if you just let me walk again. And I started making a deal with God in that moment. And I was able to get out of the bed and walk to the bathroom. Like I couldn't even turn to wipe myself. Like it was that bad. Like my back, the doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. I was on all type of medication. Nothing was working. And I was like, oh, okay. So I said that and then I was able to walk and I put two and two together. I was like, Long story short, I kept making a bunch of deals with God and I started that business. I quit the job, um, decided to stay home. I talked my husband into it and said, give me two years. I have a business degree. Like this can't be hard. (laughs) Little did I know it would be the hardest two years of my life. Um, but also the biggest blessings came from it. And I started my business at the time. It was called a bridge that matters, which, uh, I am no longer that, that is turning into something completely separate, which I could talk about later, but it started and I started coaching. I knew I wanted to do consulting coaching in in some aspect. And I started realizing that I couldn't help people until I helped myself. And it, I was getting, attracting these clients to me that were very similar uh, to what I was going through in the moment. And I said, well, what if I can heal some of this stuff a little quicker? I'll be able to help more people quicker. And so I started looking at, you know, reading books and watching meditation videos and all this stuff. I started healing. Um, I came across inner child wounds and I was like, oh, that's me. <laughs> so I started doing some work, EFT tapping, Reiki, like all these people just started coming into my world to help me. Um, and about a year and a half ago, I was introduced to it, a phenomenal coach, Kayla, um, who 
I worked with for six months on what I thought would be business structure, ended up being basically inner child work (laughs) throughout. Um, Neither one of us kind of figured that out. I don't think she knew probably more than I did, but we did a lot of healing in those six months. And I went, we went from one income, one car, a tiny house to um, I have a full, I've been full-time in my business for over a year now with a steady income. My husband's working. We moved out of state. We have a, a huge house now. We got like our dream house, two cars. Like we're just living our dream. We're all home remotely. Um, and I've had such a steady income in my business, but I started tapping into my gifts and I started, the more healing I did, the more prominent they were. And they started coming out and the right people, again, just attracted to me. It was like every level up, someone new came in to teach me the next level, the next level, next level. And it was so freaking hard. I mean, like not, it's not, I don't know these spiritual gurus, you see all them all cheerleader, happy go lucky. Um, (laughs) It's not that it's ugly. It's crying, puking, um, shaking, like it's, I don't know who said it was a pretty process, but it's not, not one bit. Um, and here I am now, I've been fully out of the spiritual closet since August. Um, and I've had tremendous growth in my business, tremendous growth personally. My clients are having tremendous growth. It's just been like a complete 180 from me half owning my gifts to fully owning my gifts. Wow. That is all so, I'm just sitting here like, yup, yup. <laughs> I can yeah. so relate to so many things. And first of all, I think it's really neat to mention, like when I asked you, how is your awakening gone? This was your answer. And I love this because as you said, so many people present it like it's some easy walk in the park. And like, it just means like you found source and you, you know, you're all of a sudden your highest self and, you know, all the dollars and all the sexy husbands or mates. And like, it just, that's not what it actually is. And it's, it's um, presented like it's so easy, but really I think the way that you broke it down tends to be how it goes. We have something in our life or multiple things that is really not working. And we have a breaking point. We Mm -hmm. have a rock bottom or some really low times. We, all of a sudden, it's like almost like something cracks open. The universe calls us to the light. We get people or books or material somehow is coming Mm -hmm. into our experience to help us, to awaken us. And then with often kicking and screaming, we are sort of broken open in some way or another. And then oh, yeah. things start to unlock. And even then it's not simple. It, like you said, it's tears. It's right. it's curled up in the fetal position more times than you can count. <laughs> but it's almost- Laying in continu- the bathroom floor. Yeah. yeah, totally. I've literally had those moments <laughs> for sure. But then it's this continuous opening where another thing comes up. And then like you said, another mentor comes into your life or something, some realization, some material, something, Mm -hmm. and you up level. And so I think you just, the telling your story is like, yep, that's how it is. So for the people listening, if you're in the middle of a mess, if you're in the middle of uncertainty, if you're in the middle of not knowing why all this woo-woo stuff is coming into your life or you find yourself wanting to go to healers or coaches, like this is the awakening process and go with it, you know? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And I will say um, the biggest thing for me was I never noticed the the red flags or triggers or red flags to the triggers. Um, you are right before up level, you're going to be triggered and you're going to be tested. And for most people, they get triggered and they completely shut down. Like, you know, they, they show there's like that picture where the guy's digging, 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 and there's like diamond right behind, right? And he turns around and gives up and walks away. And he, all he had was like an inch. Every time that you get triggered, that's that. Imagine that picture, how close you are to the next level into that. Because on the other side of walking through these, these shadows and walking through, you know, alchemizing these shadows, it's the most beautiful thing you'll ever experience. Like, yeah, it's, it hurts. And yeah, you, you know, you're going to throw up, you're going to have to release, you have to release the shadow that's within you, right. To uncover the light. It's like lighting, you know, I was actually talking, spirit likes to talk to me in metaphors. And I was talking to a client yesterday and I was like, an awakening is kind of like a light bulb. You put the light bulb on with this dark lampshade for the ambiance, and you have to keep taking the shade off to change it to add more light to the room. And I was just sitting there, I was like, this is the dumbest metaphor I've ever heard. But it made sense, right? And it was like, you, it can't shine its brightest with a shade on it. So it's like, you're, what level are you at? Like, what lampshade level are you at? Like, how bright do you want to be? You know, and, and I was like, that was kind of stupid, but she got it, right? And I was like, and as they were saying it to me, I was like, oh, okay, I can see where we're going with this. Because for some people, they can't understand like shadows and lighting the match. And, you know, not everyone can do yoga right away. For me, yoga and meditation did not help in the beginning. Now I'm like becoming obsessed with yoga. And I'm like, who am I? I hated, like, I could not sit with my own thoughts. So you don't have to start with yoga and meditation. Sometimes it's just talking to someone, right? Some, we, my husband and I did the couples therapy. That started it for me. Like we did that. Finding what works for you, finding that safe outlet to be vulnerable can also be a place for you to start. So if you're thinking of like working with someone, reach out to them because, you know, make sure you do your research, but reach out to them because that's your nudge. It's not, you know, working out isn't the thing. Yoga is not your thing. That's cool. You need a, a, you know, a steady outlet and it's going to shift. Some people, I start, I started writing. I started just venting into my phone, my voice memos, and then deleted it. Um, There's so many effective ways to start the healing process. And every shadow is going to be different. And I say shadow as in like every inner child moment that you're going to get rid of is going to be a different way around it, a different way to get through it. Um, I've done the journaling and I've done the burning of the letters. Like I've done everything. Um, but I finally reached the point of like meditation and yoga. And I'm like, that was different. You know, it gets easier the more you do. And like you said, cracking open, you have to start with a tiny crack in the shell, right? Cause you don't want it to explode and break. Tiny little cracks is all it takes. And there's no such thing as time in the spirit world. And we are in a spiritual world, right? And we're an energetic-based world. They don't, spirit doesn't believe in time. Humans are the ones that believe in time. If it didn't happen yesterday, we don't want it. 
So you can go, you know, give yourself some grace, go a little easier. One, it's literally one step at a time. Yeah, that's so amazing. And with time, we also often get tripped up that it hasn't happened yet and that we should be somewhere else by now. So when you're, you know, catch yourself in that, those time constraints of either it should be happening sooner, or like you said, if it didn't happen yesterday, it's probably not going to happen. We look at our circumstance and get so bent out of shape about it. But like you said, those incremental sort of steps forward, those little cracks, those little moments of you know, connecting to your highest self, to your truth, that's really all it takes is that, that those steps. And exactly like you said, not everybody's going to dig yoga and meditation at first, but it's finding what works for you. So how does the inner child come into all of this? I'd love to hear you just kind of riff on that. (laughs) I mean, it it could take, I mean, we could be like here for three days, but to give like (laughs) a short description of it, we're born here with a faded life. We come in So when your mother is pregnant with you, or actually when your grandmother is pregnant with your mother, um, you are essentially in your mother's uterus already. So you're inheriting, like this goes deep, right? You're inheriting all the emotions that you're, that's why most people are connected to their mother's mother. The the grandmother connection is pretty predominant. Uh, But when you're in in your mother's womb, you take on, your grandmother's beliefs, you take on your mother's beliefs, the way they're eating, the way their habits are, the way they feel about themselves, moments that happen during their pregnancy, you automatically inherit that. Um, you know, and I know for me, my mom, her father died a month before I was born. And that grief, although she processed it correctly, like she went to therapy that was the first time I ever experienced grief. Right. And, um, and I, and I started writing a book and, and that is a big part of the introduction of that. And that grief has been the number one theme in my life, which is weird. I have had just this whole center around grief, that emotion of the loss of something. And I never experienced it until like that moment. She was eight months pregnant, nine months pregnant with, with me. Um, and it's something I've carried on for so long. And I held on to that when it originally was not mine to hold. And, you know, when I have my own daughter and she kind of gets that too, like she gets really attached to death, like really like, um, you know, and other stuff too, like inner turmoils when I was pregnant with her, but she has this like understanding of death. She can just know when someone dies that they go to heaven and that, it's okay to miss them and it's okay to think about them. Um, but that it's a lessened now because it was my emotion to take on, but she also inherited mine, which weren't the best in the moment, but what do we know? So when you're born, before you're born, you're inheriting stuff. So you kind of, the my biggest thing to do that I say to my clients is kind of look at what that pregnancy was like for your mom. And maybe even if you can go further back, kind of find out before. Um, because that will give you kind of a guide of to what your inner child issues are. Um, and grief is a deep root pain. It's something that it stays deep within you and, um, you can heal it through a lot of things, but your body is going to carry those pains physically as you go on too, if you don't deal with it. And then when you're born, 
your, I mean, there's so much like your birth order takes place there. Like I was second born, so I was spoiled for a long time. And I say spoiled as in because my brother was first and I came next and they didn't really care because they were like, we already got one kid. But it's, you know, they speak to you differently when you're a second born than they do the first born. You know, first born, it's like, don't do that. And second one's like, I don't care if you're going to do that, but just be careful. Right. And I see it now clearer as a parent because I do the same thing. Um, You know, and then you go to school. It's like, how traumatic was your first day of school? Right. Leaving your parents for the first time. Were you excited? Were you this? Were you that? How were your teachers? Like all environmental things also get carried into you. And being five years old going to kindergarten, that's traumatizing. Even if it was three years old, like no matter how you know great these teachers are and great these experiences can be being around other kids, like you're just taking on, taking on, taking on, and there's no release of these emotions. So you're holding all of this stuff in. And the older you get, all these things start to accumulate and build up and store within you. You know, my parents got divorced when I was eight years old. Another traumatic experience, right? Being separated and moving and every death in your family. Like whenever there's trauma or a traumatic event, that's going to stay in your body as a traumatic experience, as an inner child wound that if you're not releasing it properly in those moments, you're going to carry all of that with you. So by the time I hit 30 between um, relationships, marriage, kids, all these traumas, friends dying and this and that, like just so much. By the time I hit 30, my body physically broke down where I could not walk for four days. And it didn't like connect the dots in the moment, but I was like, wow, I just, I was just, I got, my body got so overwhelmed and I was missing all the signs to slow down, slow down, slow down. You're getting overwhelmed. I was drink. I would just drink. I would drink and drink. If I was like emotional stress, I would drink happy. I would drink not like I was an alcoholic, but I would drink to deal with my emotions. I just, it was one thing I didn't want to deal with. And when I drank, I felt good because I didn't feel those emotions. Um, I played sports. I had healthy outlets too, but when there's so much trauma built up in your body, this is where, you know, the anxiety, the depression, the emotional behavioral issues, like all of that stuff is really, it's just trauma built into your body, um, which started at childhood, your inner child wounds. It's just, you're constantly triggering that inner child wound, the original wound. You're constantly triggering yourself not knowing how to process it, not knowing how to release it. So it's just like shadows creep, like (laughs) just staying in your body and not releasing it properly because we're not educated enough to know how to release it. Uh, They don't teach that in school. It's mind blowing (laughs) as a human and also as a parent, (laughs) not going to lie. It's a little bit scary hearing all this because it resonates. No, I I hear you though. Like it, it feels true about the pregnant and you know, the things that your grandma went through, the things that your mom went through, that is really 
That's really cool to think about because I know having children, the pregnancies, when I was pregnant with each of my children, I was very aware of my moods, my mental state. I, you know, often we intuitively know to not spend too much time being stressed. And, you know, even the people right. in the community or the partners, the family members, it's kind of like protect the pregnant woman. We don't yeah. need her having a nervous yeah. breakdown. We don't like we intuitively right. know. It's a whole other thing to think about how that has had long lasting effects effects into the children and into us. And I know when my mom was pregnant, she was very scared. My dad didn't want to be a dad. He turned out to be the most incredible dad ever, but he was freaked out. They weren't married and my grandparents were very religious. They didn't think that was great all that stuff. Right. So I just, I mean, were were you living my life? (laughs) Yeah. No. Is that similar? (laughs) Very similar. Yeah. Yeah. So that, it's just thinking about like that must have had an effect on me. And that's something I've never really thought about before, which is just really, really neat. And it's fascinating about all the things that children experience. And as you say, like even the first day of school, it's something that we view as happy. And even if the first day of school is fine, you, maybe you weren't bullied or you didn't have a kid right. panic attack and maybe it seemed fine. It's still such a huge thing that we need to process and all of that. And you're so right. We're not taught to encourage that in our children. As parents, we're not given a handbook on like, this is how to let your kids release the things they're processing. Right. And and then there are other things like the time yeah. your mom was an hour late and it's stuck in your mind, like she was never going to pick you up and you know all these things that happen that we aren't processing and that's just so fascinating well it's like I and it's funny because I look at it as myself it's like um I remember vividly like I don't remember elementary school that much but like I do remember the one time like I needed to go to the bathroom and we had a substitute teacher and this was I think either kindergarten or first grade like the time doesn't matter but I remember so vividly that the teacher was like, you're lying. No, go sit down. And as a five or six, seven, however old I was, um, I went back and sit down. So my body was saying, you need to go to the bathroom. This teacher is telling me, no, you don't. You're lying. Go, like you just went. And I sat and I just peed my pants. And I was like, I had to go to the bathroom. Like I wasn't lying. And but my mom came and, and changed me and she was like, yeah, it happens. It's an accident, blah, 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 blah. But that hurt the teacher telling me, no, you're not right. You're, you're wrong. Right. That's something that sticks with you. Like I was listening to my body and it's something that showed up over time a lot where I'd get injured or something was wrong. And you know, a few years, like doctors that I've gone to where I was like, I have fibromyalgia. And they're like, no, you don't. Like, there's nothing there. And I had to wait for a rainy day to go to the doctors. And she was like, yeah, you have fibromyalgia, right? It's like all these little things like you, like I knew, I knew these things. I've been told I was wrong all the time or that I was incorrect because I, it's like, who is this child to tell me the adult something, right? Mm -hmm. So I always stopped speaking my truth just because Mm -hmm. of that one teacher not letting me go to the bathroom. Mm. you know, that stopped me for 25, I'm 33 now. So it's six years old, whatever, 27 years of not being able to speak my truth. Cause I was like, you're not right. Like mm. that's traumatic. I, I prevented myself from greatness for so long. And now I'm like, whatever, like, I'm, I know I'm right. You're not telling me anything. Mm. Right. And how many kids are getting shut down 
you know, being told that they're wrong and they don't know because the adults know better. Yeah. There's a lot of times like that, that kids are kind of told to be quiet or not trust their gut instinct. That's another one. It's like, I have a bad feeling about this. Oh, you're just being silly. You're safe. You're fine. Go to bed. Like that's often the way that, you know, parents, teachers, whatever handle things. And um, luckily I've, I've really made a focus with my kids to focus on intuition and tell them to tune into their body. What is your gut saying? You know, what do you feel? Is it warm fuzzies? You know, so sometimes my kids come out with the most profound stuff and about people, they'll say, I don't know why, but that guy always gave me a bad feeling. And it turns out that he wasn't the greatest of people or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'll say to them, that was your intuition. Like I'll bring, I'll highlight it because it's not taught. And I mean, that's just one aspect. You were taught not to trust in, you know, what your body needed even. And so when we're moving forward, do we need to go back and identify like the source thing that happened? Do we need to go back to every little thing or how do we start on that process of being like, you know, even knowing that this could be caused by something I experienced as a child or my inner child. Can you sort of take us through a little bit like how that work works? So, yeah. So like, I'm not going to lie. I completely didn't identify. And this is where spirits like bringing this up to me. Um, I totally forgot about that pee in my pants thing and what that would, now that I see it so clearly of what that really meant like that was a moment in time for me that that's when that started. Oh, I get that. Like I literally just now in this moment on this podcast, figured that out. Mm -hmm. Um, but I will say 95% of people know their root trauma because it's the one thing that they cannot bring up. They cannot think about it because the second they do, their body starts to ache. They tremble. They want to throw up their eyes water. Me as a coach, can identify that being a spiritual, a spiritual coach that I am, the medium that I am, I can identify it in about three seconds. I could give you the age that it happened, who did it to you, et cetera. That's my gift because I speak trauma. I speak uh, grief because it's usually a, a grief centered with my clients. Um, you know, it could be your sibling being born when you were three years old. That was the root problem for you. That's when it started, when you felt abandonment for the first time or, you know, when it turned you into high performers or, you know, um, there's so many, but start with one, just start to identify one because all the rest are going to have a, a pretty circular theme around it. Um, you know, and people are like, oh, I'm just blocked. It's like, no, like you literally, it's literally something that your brain is not allowing because it will hurt too much to bring it up. It's not a block as in like, you can't get through it because you can get through, you know, an inner child wound. You can heal it. You can start to identify inner child wounds and slowly break them down. And the best way to do that is start writing. Like just start writing things down. Do a timeline of your life. Start with each age. Uh, See what you can do to remember. You might not get it all at once, right? But you're going to do a process. And I've had a lot of um, calls with people where they're energy workers and they'll tell me like, Oh, from two to three, you had a trauma age from eight to 10. You had one 21 to 22, 27. Like they go through the list, really big events in your life. But then it's all these little ones start to trickle in after you start to get the bigger ones. So 
like a divorce, um, you move your first move, all these little things. Anytime you felt like an insecurity or something where a, a huge emotion, right? And it's a process. And you're gonna like I, I just told my husband prior that I was like, you're 39 years old. Like you have so much to dig through and to uncover, and you're just starting now. Give yourself the grace. Give, and I tell them, give yourself some grace. Give yourself some credit. That's what I'm here for, to help you get through this, right? To help you uncover it. We can't do it alone because we, our, our bodies and brains will not let us get too deep where it's going to harm us. Mm. Um, so start with the service level stuff first. And then when, it, when you feel like there's, you know, something's there that's deeper, but you can't figure it out, then reach out to someone. A therapist is great. A coach is great. Someone who works with trauma, like they have to be knowledgeable in what they're doing, right? So the release is the part when mm. it comes to alchemizing these or healing these inner trial uh, traumas, because it can show up in mental health. It can show up in physical health, and you know our bodies speak to us. Our energy speaks to us. Our soul is trying to speak to us, and we just ignore it a lot. Yeah. That's really neat because I thought that we would start with our current life and like, okay, I always seem to be blocked around money or about love or about trusting. What could that be from? But you're actually saying to start from the time you're like a younger, sort of writing out your timeline and maybe even noting and allowing to come forward some of the big things that happened in your life starting there. That's what you, that's what you're saying, right? Yeah, because you don't have a block around money, right? Like money is just a number. It's just a frequency. Mm-hmm. It's your frequency is not matching that frequency. And it's because when you're on a lower vibration, you're going to earn lower money. It's yeah. whatever frequency we put out that means the most to us. We're going to, me, it's home life. I don't need millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. I just need enough to keep the roof over my head, food on my table. And, my, and when I want to travel, I'll make the money to travel. That's yeah. about it. Like my kids are my world. My kids are happy. My husband's happy. I'm happy. That's all that matters. And my dog. That's all that matters to me. Like, Mm -hmm. and I want to help people and I want to coach people. It's not about the money for me. The money is the bonus for what I'm doing. Um, and it allows me to keep doing this for the rest of my life. Yeah. That's really neat. So instead of looking because even the way I was saying, like starting from now and going, oh, I really have a problem with this. What could be causing it? That's also focusing on the problem and also bringing attention to the fact that you think you have a problem, which, you know, you thinking you're blocked is the block (laughs) like that. So starting with, I have a money problem. Where is that coming from? Is actually starting in a fundamentally flawed place in a way, which Mm -hmm. is just kind of cool um, to even see it like that. But yeah, so you're saying start from when you were a child and going through. So if someone was going to just even start this work on their own before they're ready to hire you or to, you know, go through this with somebody, say they know of even just starting in a comfortable place, maybe not the biggest trauma, but something that happened that was really embarrassing, that something like the story you shared, or, you know, we can all recall things from our childhood that was embarrassing, or we felt really bad or whatever. So we could kind of maybe write it out, write out what happened and kind of just allow intuition to come forward. Or how would we sort of dive in that with the intention of healing that part of our life? Yeah. So, um, you can, there's like questions you can ask. Like I, I have like journal prompts that I follow. Um, 
because it always ties in and reflects something. So let's see, say I have a client that is just really triggering an emotion within me. And I'm like, why are they triggering me? What is this speaking to me? Right. And I will take said client and I will go through a series of questions and say, all right, um, what is the emotion I'm feeling around them? Why am I feeling this emotion around them? Is it even because of them? And who does this person remind me of? What was my relationship like with them? And it will break down all the way to a root problem. Mm. And then you got to figure out what's going to, what's going to help this. And this is where the the therapy coaching kind of comes into play where you have to know what's going to work for you to kind of get over or through this emotion. So what's going to make me feel better is screaming into a pillow is yelling out at their gravesite is writing a letter and then burning it. Whether you let it out, whether you write it out, do whatever, a healthy outlet, not drinking, um, physical, physical activity, like working out heavy, punching a bag, hitting something. That's not a way to release it. That actually makes it worse. Um, you need a healthy, secure, vulnerable place, safe space. So a writing, singing, screaming, yelling, kind of just, you need to get it out of your head um, and out of your heart. But then you have to go and do more too. You have to stretch, you have to release, you have to kind of just let your body chill out and then Sometimes it could take three or four days for your body to recover. So don't, you know, just do light walks, just do light yoga activity, stretching, to kind of recharge your body because you just put your body through a traumatic experience. So it's like a workout within like a really intense CrossFit workout, right? Without the the stretching or any of that stuff after. So you have to do that. You have to slowly release it and slow, let your body recover. It's not a process where, you know, you see these people going into a, a room where they're just smashing stuff and breaking stuff and, oh, I feel so much better. But their body's not going to be good two days two to three days later because mm-hmm. they didn't take care of it correctly because you still exerted more energy on top of the emotional exertion that you just had. So that's where I think a lot of people get mis- mistaken with, oh, I just need to beat something up. I just, you're, you're still in anger when you're doing that, mm-hmm. right? You have to do almost the opposite of what is triggering you. Like if someone makes you angry, forgiveness, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's the opposite. You made me so angry, but I'm going to forgive you anyway. Mm. That's how you're doing. You're going against the grain there. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely see that. So if someone was wanting to go back to their childhood and they extracted something that was really embarrassing that they realized they were holding on to, they could write it out, speak it out, allow their feelings to come forward. You said like, get it out, not at the person. Like, I hate you, mom, but just more. I kind of pictured it like, to the universe as your confidant, like that really sucked. I felt Mm -hmm. embarrassed, you know, how, you know, I'm so sad that that happened. That's unfair. Like whatever it is in your, in yourself that you want to get out. Right. Often we almost have to have a little tantrum of like, it's not fair. Right. (laughs) Like kind of let it out. And then I hear you say like, chill, restore kind of yeah, do like make make like a decree. Like I'm not, I'm no longer gonna let people's words affect me anymore. Mm-hmm. And then you know, like go for a walk, go do something where you get grounded. You got to ground yourself after because you're doing energetic work. 
me, I'm a healer. I take on other people's pains. So like just you talking to me right now, I'm taking in a lot of your root pain because I could feel it in my body. I could feel your pains transferring to me and I'm going to release it for you later. All the stuff that we've been talking about, you're going to feel much lighter later on, but that's my gift, right? I absorb those pains and like my root, like my, from my stomach down has not stopped shaking this whole time that we've been connected. So, you know, and it's just something that I've learned. Like I just learned that I'm able to do this and then I will have to go and release it later. You probably should too. You should probably go for a walk or do something, but Mm -hmm. that's my gift. When I step into a room with someone, I'm going to automatically absorb when I'm energetically um, channeling for them or doing whatever I absorb it. I like I, my throat hurts a little because you don't speak your truth. My stomach, my root hurts because you know, there's some root trauma there tied to your mom. So that womb trauma, but um, you know, I'm not here to call you out and, and, you know, but I know my gifts and I know what they are and I know what I take on and mm-hmm. how I release it. And there's a lot of people that do that and don't realize they're carrying other people's problems for so long. I was like, I don't feel like crap. I've always been a happy person. And, you know, I always feel like, crap. but that was my gift to absorb that. And now I learned how to release that stuff. Like I did yoga prior to our call. I'm going to have to go and ground myself and release your pains. Mm. Wow. I thank you for that. <laughs> and I'm all open to all of it. So I definitely, I'm honored that you're even just sharing that. And you know, I know it's part of your gifts, but I also honor you being open enough to do that with me <laughs> because <laughs> I I feel it. So this is just so powerful. And I like how you said too, like getting help with this stuff, because I think in the spiritual community and the self-development, um, there's a lot of us that have been lone wolves a lot of our lives. A lot of people that are really sensitive that feel like they haven't fit in and they kind of, it's easy to think that development is kind of do it yourself. And there's a lot we can do ourselves. There's, if you're willing, there's so much healing you can do on your own. But I also think it's really powerful to have people in your space and different people, right? Different people work with different parts of you. And like, as you said, they have different gifts. Like you're really owning your gifts and someone else is going to have a different take on it and a different ability to connect with a different part of you or whatever it is. Right. So I think it's really powerful because we have these blind spots. We don't know what we don't know. We don't know what we can't see. And sure, long enough in a silent meditation, there's things that you're going to be able to see and things that are going to come forward. But you don't have the same gifts as somebody else does. And people that come to you, they don't right. have your gifts. You're, you're you with your gifts. And so I think it's really neat just saying, you know, to allow other people in to help you and to heal you and move through it. There's so much greatness in the human world and spiritual world that we need to bring and restore harmony back. And being too much one-sided is not good for anybody, right? You got, you got to be earth. You got to be centered. We are on earth for a reason. We chose to be souls here on this planet earth at this time. And 2020 was the awakening that everyone needed. Um, You know, it's going to weed out the people that (laughs) have been bullshit and smoke and mirrors. And it's going to weed out people that, you know, aren't using their gifts too. And it's going to start bringing them up whether they want to or not. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's so much truth in that. It's been a crazy year, but there's a lot of people around me who have said 2020 was, you know, one of the hardest years, but also one of the best. And I created this post a couple, it was probably about a month ago. And I just said, you know, dear 2020, and then a blank. And I said, fill in the blanks. And I noticed how many people in my community said, thank you. Thank you for the gifts. Or you really put me through a lot, but thank you, or that type of thing, right? And it's like been this crazy year that has opened up a lot of people and and had people question everything, like everything that they once knew, what they've spent money on, what they do for work, what is important to them, you know, their own self having to quarantine, isolate, whatever, be alone with themselves more, be cooped up with family. Like it's pushed a lot of us to random weird places, but um, it, it has been very awakening for so many of us. Yeah. You have to see both sides and like, and I look at 2020 and I, I can get like my mom almost died from the virus. She spent 12 days fighting for her life at the beginning in April. Um, you know, and my father, my stepfather had it, my brother had it. Um, it was the beginning was rough March, April, May. Like I, invested in a coach that wasn't great. And it was just like, it was just one thing after another. And I stopped drinking. I chose to stop drinking January 1st of 2020. And I was battling sobriety and I was like, I'm just going to drink. This is fucking crazy. Like, this is such a crazy year. And it was like, my mom's almost dying. I'm going to lose my mom. What's going to happen? Like all this stuff. And you know, and I prayed and prayed and prayed for my mother to live. And I started, that's when my gifts really started to open up because the more I prayed, the deeper, you know, healing I was, because I wasn't a prayer. And, you know, and the more I called out to God, the more miracles he sent my way. My mom lived. Like, I'm telling you, there was a night where she even said to me, she's like, I'm pretty sure I was going to write a letter and say goodbye. And, you know, and and now I'm like, I look at 2020, I'm like, my business grew tremendously. My kids are home and healthy. My husband is home and healthy. Like this is, we had a, I wrote a blog the other day and my husband and I had a conversation. He's like, I was like, you know, I see, I hear all these people complaining about 2020. And I'm like, is it bad that like, I kind of don't mind this. And I wouldn't like, I miss traveling. That's about it. But like, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with us being home. Like I'm really enjoying it. And he was like, thank you. Thank you for saying that. He's like, I felt guilty for being happy. Mm. And I was like, oh, we felt guilty for being happy, for being mm-hmm. safe, for being in our house, for being surrounded by love, right? He's like, I know it was a trying year. He's like, it was hard. He's like, but so like, so many good things happened that outweighed that. And I was like, yeah, that's it. And like a lot of people forget how good humanity was in the beginning of 2020. And now it's like, we're getting sick of it again. So now we're just going to be, this is the worst year ever. And it's like, you're not looking at the little things. Like we started to uncover. I mean, I could talk to you for like six hours on this stuff, but we're starting to uncover systems that are no longer serving us. We're starting to uncover, um, you know, politics, this, that religions, um, you know, the values that our government's putting ahead of human beings. Like there's so many that we're not valuing teachers enough. We're not valuing, like there's so many systems that need to be, you know, police systems, all of it that need to be looked at, given a second glance and saying, okay, how can we make these better moving mm-hmm. forward? That's what 2020 did. It uncovered a lot of things that need to be checked and questioned. A lot of people that, you know, 
came into their gifts and stepped into their gifts this year. Like you said, like, it's beautiful to see that because, you know, we've been called, we're being called and 2021 is going to be an incredible year with or without a vaccine. Who cares? Right. Mm -hmm. It's, it's our choice. This is where free will comes in. We can choose to raise the vibration and then all that stuff doesn't really matter. Right. Yes. There's a ton of life lost. You know, there's so much death that happened this year where like oh, 2020 sucks, so-and-so died, so-and-so died. There's still going to be death. There's always going to be death. Mm-hmm. There's so, so many of my friends. The other Thanksgiving, I didn't see, I think every post or every, every other post was a baby. <laughs> like, so thankful for my baby. And they're all, you know, born this year. Mm-hmm. That's like, that's beautiful, right? That's the life and death cycle. You know, so I think it's what we make it. Life is what we make it. And we can either sit and be miserable and complain about what other people aren't doing, or we can rise up and change it. Yeah. And I bet this year has triggered a lot of people's inner child stuff (laughs) about being powerless, about being left out, about having fear of your surroundings, about things being out of control, about, you know, whatever, all uh, endless amounts, I'm sure. Thank you for saying that. It's really important to say that because a lot of times people are wrapped up in the stress of it, the doom and gloom of it. And it's hard sometimes for people to see the light. And so I thank yeah. you for, you know, showing us that in it, there's so many reasons why this has been a good year for us as a whole and mm-hmm. what it's made us sort of, how it's made us awaken and if we choose to, right, to, to follow something new. There's a lot of people that have got let go from their jobs and then realize that's not what they wanted to do anyways, or, you know, pivoted in some way. Um, I'd love to talk about the soul plan. You've mentioned it a few times Mm -hmm. and I'd love to just touch on, you know, what your take is on our soul plan and free will and kind of how that works. Yeah. So, I mean, we all have spirit guides and at some point in our life, we were a spirit guide in a past life. And, you know, before we came here and I won't go into too much detail because I am writing a book on it, but, um, you know, we chose our path. We chose our path before coming here, before we were born. And our spirit guide is there to guide us along this path. And these, you know, red flags and myth signs of along that path are the speed bumps and the flat tires and all that stuff. When we have to pivot or we have to move, sometimes it's a nudge to get you back on to your your soul path. And a lot of people have fallen off that path. And I think that's why 2020 was kind of like, put the brakes, right? Slow down to speed up, right? And and if you're going too fast, which we have been doing, we miss the signs. We've been missing signs. And 2020 shutting people down, you're, you're not supposed to be doing what you were doing. You got to move into something else, right? If you're feeling called to move, move. You don't like your job, get a new job because this is the nudge. This is like a big old smack across your head saying like that no longer serves you and you've missed the signs for too long. And, you know, and I've had so many of those along my life where um, I kept thinking like, this is the job. This is the job. This is the job that's going to, I never had a career. I had jobs. I had great jobs. but I was never happy doing them. Even when I started my coaching business, I was like, it's still not right. It doesn't feel right. That was it. I got whacked in the head and my business crumbled at the beginning of 2020. And I was like, like when quarantine, I should say, started. 
I guess I just have to let it be and go with it. And then all of a sudden the gifts, and it was like mediumship. And they're like, no, you've been hearing us forever. Like you do know that it's not just you here. I'm like, I can't bring that into my business. And I fought it. I wouldn't do readings. I was like, nope, I don't want to do this. That's not who I am. And it wasn't until I owned it where I started catapulting my business. And it was like, I'm in my ideal soul plan. I'm, I'm working that path. I picked this life. Mm-hmm. And my guy just sits here like, finally, like finally you get it. So we all have a plan. And I'd like to just kind of ask, um, I know that it doesn't always have to do with a job. And so a lot of people, like right. when they talk about purpose and they talk about plan, they always, a lot of times think it has to be a job. Could you talk about that? Yeah. So um, have the five steps to activating your soul plan. Um, the first step is activation. It's trusting where you're being led. That's that moment, that aha moment, right? Like for me, couldn't walk. I was laid in bed for four days, right? So that that was an activation. Not that wasn't you know me coming into my gifts. Wasn't that was an activation to okay, what are you going to do now that you, you have to surrender? Mm. Like I had to surrender because I didn't know when I was going to walk again. Mm. I didn't know if I was going to be able to work again. I didn't know if I was going to be able to hold my kids again. And it put me, it activated me to God. And I said, all right, God, I, I give up. Like I am yours. Whatever you want for, for me to do, I will do it to just get out of this bed and live my life. That was my activation, you know? And step two is an awakening. And it's not an awakening that we think of. This is where that inner child comes in, letting go of what no longer serves you, you know? You're gonna cut out toxic people. You're gonna, you know, you can bring them back in, but temporarily you need to cut people out. You need to cut losses. Like anything that no longer serves you does not get to come with you on these up levelings. Um, there's gonna be friends that you can love from afar. There's gonna be family members that you can love from afar. When the time is right, forgiveness is there. You can forgive them right away. Um, or you can take your time, but it's letting go of what no longer serves you. And a lot of times it's things that we think we need to to come Mm -hmm. forward with us. Right. And it's not, or it's never anything that we want and it's always what we don't want. Right. So if we focus on what we do want instead of what we don't want, that's that awakening. You know, step three is an awareness. You start to remember that soul path. You start to remember like, I remember when I was a kid, like this, I always did this, or I loved this. I, I enjoyed doing this. This brought me joy. For me, it was just talking to people. I really, really loved talking to people. I loved helping people. I loved problems. I love problem solving. That's what I do right now. I solve problems, right? And then um, the fourth one is ascension. It's rising to your higher self. Mm-hmm. And that's doing the work, doing the ugly work, you know, ascending to levels, however long it takes you, it doesn't matter. It's just choosing all the time to rise up, to keep moving forward, to heal, to do something that you wouldn't normally do. That's rising to your higher self. When I, oh, envision your higher self. My higher self was in Egypt. In August, I envisioned, I did an exercise where envision your higher self. I was walking in Egypt, smiling, happy as can be. And I was like, why am I in Egypt? I, I, I have no idea. I was like, why am I so happy? Guess where I'm going February, the end of February. I'll, I'll be in Egypt. Okay. I booked the trip. I have a women's retreat that I'm going to. Right. Wow. And it just came true. It was just, 
I yeah. saw it and I was like, holy crap, I need to be there. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's, it's something that I would never do. Like I'm traveling solo over there, meeting eight women that I have no idea. I've never met them in my life and going on a retreat for five days to enjoy into our, you know, four wheel in front of the pyramids. Like that's crazy. But the price was super cheap. I made exactly the exact amount to pay for the trip. Like it was just crazy how everything aligned mm-hmm. and that vision came true. But I did all the steps to get me to there. And then the last step, step five is action, which will be me going to Egypt, right? And, mm-hmm. and that's light shifts for the courageous one. That's where you're taking that step. You're taking that action and then every day choosing to live that soul path and to really live as your higher self and to live as that person that you chose to be when you came here in the first place. Oh man, that is just so cool. That's such a, it really sounds like how this occurs to me and sort of what I'm getting from this is like, instead of us being in the mentality of what is my soul path? How do I uncover my soul path? What is it? Like, give it to me. Tell me. I'm supposed to be an architect. Tell me. I'm supposed to, you know, move here. But instead of looking at it like that, looking at it like a falling away of what doesn't work in order for your path to emerge. Like when you were saying, you know, releasing what no longer serves you, it's like when we release what's no longer serving us, what is meant to be, if you could say, will be able to appear. That's kind of something I hear in that is like, instead of trying to find your purpose or find your soul path, allow the things that don't feel good, that the nudges you've been having to leave the job or to, like you said, some toxic people in your life or people, whatever, even if it's just temporarily release them and allow Mm -hmm. the real you or the, you know, aligned you or whatever it is to come forward. Um, I love that. That's so powerful because we are generally looking for it. Tell me what it is, but it's more of a, once you release what's no longer serving you, what is, is what will be there. And that just will be the natural state of things, the thing you signed up for, the natural state of your being. And it's funny, but what really set me off for this whole year of growth that I have, so like my real deep inner growth of this year, 2020 started last December 31st. I read a tweet on, on Twitter that said, starting the new, starting the new decade or ending, ending a decade sober, starting a new decade sober. I was like, wow, 20 years of sobriety or something like that. I forget what it was exactly. But I was like, that would be so cool if I could, you know, it's a clear decade. I'll always remember when I started being sober, <laughs> like it would be easy math, blah, 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 blah. But I was like, I don't know if I want to continue. I like to drink. I love wine. I like, you know, I like just having a glass of wine, but I knew it was an unhealthy habit. I had, I was dealing with fibromyalgia. I was dealing with arthritis Every time I would drink, I'd feel like crap. And I remember dumping the drink down the drain and saying, I'm, I'm not going to drink for all of, I'm not going to drink for all of January. And I downloaded an app and that was it. Like uh, to just say, I'm not going to drink anymore. And it wasn't that it had to be forever. I needed to stop drinking so I could uncover the emotions that I was covering up to heal the emotions that I wasn't healing because I was just drinking them away. Right. And I, I'll hit a year, December 31st. Right? Yeah. 
That is so cool. I and good job, good job on coming up a year. That is so incredible. You know, and our, our addictions that we choose, uh, it's all about control, right? When we feel like everything around us is spiraling, you know, we look at these addictions it's like this is the one thing that I can handle in this moment, right? Mm-hmm. I can handle putting food down, my, you know, putting food in and taking food out. Nobody can control that for me. I could mm-hmm. handle. For me, it was alcohol. I can handle drinking, drinking, drinking. Nobody's going to take it away from me. I'm mm. over 21. I'm going to go buy my own alcohol. Drugs, like until someone comes and takes it away from me, I'm going to keep doing it because it's in my control. Mm. I can't control anything outside of me. So this is how I'm coping. Mm. But if we learn healthier outlets, if we learn you know, EFT tapping, if we learn Reiki, if we learn energy work and, and shadow work and all this stuff, if we start to teach this on a grander scale, start implementing this into school, start implementing emotional behavior therapy in school, right? People aren't going to need substances to control, you know, they're not going to need food. They're not going to need drugs. They're not going to need that stuff to help deal with their emotions. Mm -hmm. Because like, and right now all we can do is control it in the house and and start in the house. And hopefully it expands over the years um, moving forward that we start to unschool this stuff, right? We start to say, you know, your ways are not serving us anymore. This is, this is how it should be. Yeah. Yeah. For our children. And then also for us as <laughs> grown ass adults, <laughs> that's I mean, still- we're, we're, we're big people. I call it, we're big people. We're not adults. (laughs) Right. A lot of us are adult children walking around. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. This has been so amazing. So is there any last tidbits you want to pass on to us if people are looking to heal their inner child and step into their soul plan, step into more alignment? Um, Is there any last tidbits for us? Yeah. um, The title of my book coming soon is Slow Down to Speed Up. Life is to be enjoyed not rushed and be, be present, center yourself. Cause when you center yourself, that's where all the answers are. Can't get it in the past. Can't get it in the future. You got to look at your current state. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Sierra. And we'll talk to you soon. All right. Hey love. I hope today's episode resonated deep with you. If you loved what you heard today, let me know on Facebook or Instagram at Talia Joy Manifestation. I love seeing the screenshots of you guys listening to the show as well as your big takeaways. For real, come hang out. I am so excited to expand my tribe and connect with you always. So until the next episode, sending you so much love and light, you are rocking it. You're exactly what the world needs.